1 John chapter 2. The Spirit is reeling us in. The Sunday studies, especially for me, are, are times where if I'm confused by something, usually that's going to be the topic. Because we studied through verse 11 of chapter 2 on Wednesday night, but there was this, this one little issue, this one little uh, catch that I wanted to dig into a little bit more. And that's what we'll do here this evening. I'm just going to read verses 7 and 8 of chapter 2 again. Beloved, I'm not writing you a new commandment, but an old commandment, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Do you see what I mean when I say the Spirit is he is reeling us in? I mean, if you pause and ask the question, he says, I'm not writing you a new commandment, but an old one. It's the word which you've heard. Well, I don't know about you, but across 15 years just here in the bridge, we've heard a lot of word. Is the commandment the entire thing? What are you talking about, John? Spirit, where are you taking us with this? And then, of course, on the other hand, I'm writing a new commandment to you. Well, is it old or is it new? What's going on? And if you read through verse 8, he doesn't tell you what the commandment is. What is the commandment? What is this about? Why is John writing this way? And, And again, why is the Spirit reeling us in? Well, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would reel us right into the place where you can speak loud and clear to our hearts. And I pray for encouragement especially tonight, Lord, because for me this has been an encouraging word. It's been such a blessing. I pray that you will bless all of us with understanding, Father, but especially with the comfort of your Spirit as you teach us now in Jesus' name. Amen. So I was, I was driving my Kia Soul on that long, slow, arduous two-mile journey to this building that I make every morning. Commuting to the church is a hardship, but I'm willing to put up with it. And I'm driving along 20 and I hear a loud pop! Which, you know that sound, if you've driven much... That sound, you immediately start looking for where's the rock? You know, where's the crack in the, in the windshield? Where's, where's the little, you know, divot there that now is going to have to be taken care of? Where is it? I couldn't find anything. I, I pulled in the church parking lot, parked my car, got out of the car, I looked over the windshield. <laughs> I guess I got away easy on that one. It was a warm day on Tuesday, and I came into the church, and I worked for a while around lunchtime, Went out to my car to go home, and there was about a 7 to 8 inch crack in my windshield. What? Where did that come from? And I looked more closely. Well, the the rock had hit right underneath the windshield wiper where I couldn't even see it. And I guess just the heat of the car and the way that the rock hit and everything just split right up the middle of the windshield. And and it continued to, to split bigger and bigger with every day that went by. Nice. 300 bucks later. And I am sporting a brand new windshield. For my Kia Soul, so look out, when I come driving in the lot, it's pretty sharp. (laughs) You know, the truth is, they say once you replace your windshield, it is never as sound as it was with the factory install. 
Insurance companies will, will tell you, if you get a divot in your windshield, and this is just a public service announcement for you, you get one of those little pits in your windshield, take care of it before it gets a crack. Because if it cracks out too far and they can't just repair that mark, it's the entire windshield, and it is not as sound as original. Well, nothing is, right? They don't make things like they used to. I'm old enough now, I can say it. <laughs> nothing is made the way it used to be made. Nothing is a sound, nothing is a sturdy. You replace things, you say it's new, but it's really not new. As a matter of fact, it was the old preacher who said in Ecclesiastes 1.8 that all things are wearisome. <laughs> Man is not able to tell. He says the eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor is the ear filled with hearing. That which has been is that which will be. And that which has been done is that which will be done. So there is nothing new under the sun. That's absolutely true. In 1 John chapter 2 here, the old apostle pins this commandment which is new, not new. The old commandment, the word which you have heard. Actually, it is a new commandment. It's old and it's new. It's new, it's not new. Verses 7 and 8 seem a contradiction. And it's some of that scripture that maybe if you've read John, you've read the Gospel of John or reading through the letters of John, you just kind of chalk it up to John's spiritual way of talking. Don't do that. Don't miss what is being actually said here. This is new, not new. It's kind of like, you've probably seen the hashtag, sorry, not sorry. Or, or maybe you've heard the phrase, sorry, not sorry. That's, that's kind of the phrase that goes around that really is a sarcastic way of saying you're not sorry at all. Sorry, not sorry. Well, this is new, not new. Sorry, not sorry, you couldn't care less. But this new, not new commandment is because God couldn't care more. It is deeply rooted in the compassion of God, in the love of God. This is an old commandment which makes New. Not like a replacement windshield that is no longer as sound as it was before. This is an old commandment that makes new. And I want us to understand how this works. You might say, well, okay, but the Bible said there's nothing new under the sun. And there's not. There's not. So what's John talking about? First of all, what is this supposedly new, not new commandment? What is the commandment? Is it a specific thing? Is it just the generic word of God? What is the commandment? Well, there's a hint right at the beginning of verse 8. Or sorry, verse 7. The first word of verse 7, beloved, which is agapetoi. From agape, beloved, those who are unconditionally loved, the dearly beloved, And then John clears up exactly what the commandment is. He clears it up in verse 10 when he says, The one who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling with him. This is the love command. So very clearly, and without question, the old commandment made new, the new not new commandment, the old not old commandment, however you want to term it, is the command to love one another. And what the Spirit is doing, and the reason I said He's reeling us in, is that the Holy Spirit is already leaning into the heart of the letter. John is already headed that direction. Now, if you were here Wednesday night, you already know we kind of broke down the letter into an outline. I'll give it to you again. It's chapters 1 and 2, which is walking in the light. 
We've already spent quite a bit of time talking about walking in the light. We could spend much more because it is so rich. Chapters 1 and 2, walking in the light. Chapters 3 and 4, the heart of the letter, where John is going, what this is truly all about is living in the love. Living in the love. Again, that's the heart of this letter. So walking in the light, chapters 1 and 2. Living in the love, chapters 3 and 4. And then finally, chapter 5, loving the life. Loving the life. That's the outline we're working off of. And John is going to flesh out the love command in chapters 3 and 4. He'll put hands and feet to it. He will will show us and reveal it to us. The Spirit will give us great understanding of exactly what this love command really means. He's not going to leave anything to chance. And right here, when he says, I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment. And then he says, on the other hand, I am writing a new commandment. Well, part of the reason we know that it's the love command is because John's just quoting Jesus. This is what Jesus said. John chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment, he says, I give to you, that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus says this is a new commandment. Problem is, when Jesus spoke it, it was new, not new. This commandment had already been spoken. The commandment Jesus says to love one another is 1,500 years old at this point. First spoken by Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, that's your spirit, with all your soul, that's your mind, with all your might, that's your physical strength, with all that you are. Moses said to the people of Israel, love the Lord your God. And then in Leviticus 19, verse 18, God spoke through Moses and said, You shall not take vengeance, nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Love God. Love your neighbor as yourself. And for 1,500 years, that had been the standard of the law, though many had missed it. And then Jesus comes along and says, A new commandment I give to you, that you should love one another. Um, Jesus, we heard that one. That's not new. That's a very old commandment. What are you getting at? Jesus had already even acknowledged that this was an old commandment. He quoted it himself, both from Deuteronomy 6 and from Leviticus 19. And Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, verse 29, the foremost commandment is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So, how can Jesus call this a new commandment. It wasn't new. It wasn't new. How do you do do this, Lord? And if you study John, you know. In John 13, Jesus gave it an amendment. He added something to it that, that made it brand new, made it other than it had ever been before. You see, Jesus didn't just say, love one another. He said, love one another even as I have loved you. Well, that's different. That's new. That is unique. That's not just the command for us in our humanity to love God and to love each other. That's to do so as I have loved you. 
Now we know the parameters of this love and it is eternal. It's expansive. Love as I have loved. So just based on that, you can say, well, there's the new command. It's the old command, but it's new. So it's old, not old. Jesus refreshes the commandment. But but there's something else here. Something else in the command that makes it new. And it's where I believe John is going. Remember, last Sunday we talked about the brothers Boanerges. Boanerges, that, that Greek nickname that Jesus gave uh, the brothers, James and John, meaning sons of thunder. Mark chapter 3, verse 16, He appointed the twelve, Simon to whom He gave the name Peter, and James the son of Zebedee, and John the brother of James, and to him He gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder. So that's the nickname, but where does it come from? Turn in your Bibles, keep your finger there in First John, and let's go back to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. We gave this a thumbnail sketch last week, but let's take a look at it. Chapter 9, verse 51. When the days were approaching for His ascension, He was determined to go to Jerusalem. I I love that verse. That's an indication of the heart of Christ. He was determined to go to Jerusalem, determined to go to Calvary, determined to go to the cross and to His death, determined for your salvation and mine. And in verse 52 it says, And he sent messengers on ahead of him, and they went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for him. But they did not receive him because he was traveling toward Jerusalem. Why? Because the Samaritans hated the Jews. If you're on your way to Jerusalem for anything having to do with the Jewish feasts or festivals or the Jewish people, the Samaritans didn't want to have anything to do with you. And it was the same with the Jews toward the Samaritans. They truly hated each other. It's sad. The exact opposite of the great love command. It's kind of like some in the useless nations who recently passed yet another resolution condemning Israel. 77 resolutions sit in the United Nations condemning Israel. 77. You know how many resolutions condemn the Palestinians for their acts of terror? One. 77 to one. Regardless of how you view Israel, that, that is so lopsided there's something demonic there. Something seriously wrong with a world that would condemn Israel at the, at the level that we do. It, it's, it's a Samaritan attitude toward anyone who's headed to Jerusalem. And Jesus and the boys, they were headed there. They were going up to Jerusalem for Passover. And once it was discovered, this was the fact. No, sorry, no lodging, no room, can't stay here. And verse 54 says, when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord... You want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? (laughs) Let's burn them out. Let's fry them. Well, he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what kind of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went on to another village. That's Boanerges. Now granted... James and John loved Jesus. But I have a feeling that after traveling with Jesus, they were looking forward to a little room and board. You know, perhaps a little warm meal, a place to to sleep that wasn't out under the stars on the rocky ground again. 
So they were probably a little ticked off personally, but also for Jesus. Granted, they were not happy about this. The Samaritans, man, hatred is blinding. John mentions that in this passage. Hatred is just blinding. And the Samaritans were hateful, and James and John were sharing the same hateful spirit toward them. The love command of Jesus Christ came after that event. That's on the way to Jerusalem. The love command of Jesus would be in Jerusalem on the night of betrayal as they sat around that low table. And Jesus said, a new command I give to you, that you should love each other the way I have loved you. And they had spent three years watching how Jesus loved. And it was completely different. Because anyone else, if it had been me with James and John, that Samaritan city would not be there anymore. Boanerges would have included Pastor Rick. And we would have called down fire from heaven. That is a hateful spirit. It is a wrong spirit. And it denies the love command. The love command that says you love as I have loved. And when Jesus said that, again, don't miss this. It was on the night of betrayal. In the moment in all of history, truly in all of eternity, when the most innocent man ever to live would be condemned and betrayed in the most horrible way. And that's when He chose to give the command, a new commandment I give to you, that you should love one another even as I have loved you. What happened to Boanerges after that? Well, sons of thunder became apostles of love. James was the first apostle to be martyred. Acts chapter 12 tells the story. He was beheaded by the sword, by Herod's sword. So James was taken out very early. John would then live a hundred years perhaps. We don't know exactly how long, but into old, old age. And he would be known as the apostle of love. John was made new, even in his old age. The love apostle. That's what happens when you follow Jesus. We're talking here about walking in the light as He Himself is in the light. And when we do that, His love makes us new. The love command. It's a new command. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. We'll look at this for a moment. Verse 7 again. Beloved, agape toi. I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. And he says this commandment is from the beginning. From the beginning you've had this command. John's Gospel, as Steve reminded us, begins with Jesus in the beginning with God. John chapter 1 verse 2. The pre-existent Christ. He was in the beginning. The Word was with God and the Word was what was God. He was in the beginning with God. In the beginning, Jesus was pre-universe. He, he was pre-creation, preternatural, you would say, eternal. As with the old prophecy of the Bethlehem baby that tells us, Micah 5, 2, As for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, From you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel, and his goings forth are from long ago, from days of eternity. I just love to read that every Christmas time, reminding us that the little baby was eternal. Eternity passed. So from the beginning, the command has been with you, but here, here, get this, from the beginning is not speaking of the beginning of the world. 
It's not speaking of the beginning of creation. No, from the beginning, this old command, which is not new, but it is old, but it is new and not old. This this commandment has been with you from the beginning. It speaks of something else. It speaks of your beginning. From the beginning of your faith walk with Jesus, this love command has been there. It's your beginning. When you first heard the Word, He even says that. It is the Word which you have heard. It's the Word you heard from the beginning. This is the Word that caused you to follow Jesus. This is the Word that got you out of your homes on a Sunday night rather than a Sunday morning. Breaking with all bridge tradition. What is the matter with you? You're here because you love Him. And you know He loves you. And you've known this from the beginning, otherwise you would not have started following Him. You see, it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. It's the love of God that moves people. And you know, when you think back that way, suddenly from the beginning doesn't seem so awfully long ago. This is the word you've heard from the beginning. This is the command from the beginning. It is the beginning of your life in Christ. So think about that. When Jesus says, love one another even as I have loved you, go back to the beginning. Your beginning with Jesus. Because the implications are personal. What was that like for you? Do you remember? Do you remember when you gave your life to Him? Do you remember when you decided to follow? You said, yes, Lord. Maybe you were in a large assembly and you raised your hand. Maybe you went aside to a prayer room and you met with a bunch of people and some pastors and prayed together. Maybe you were at a camp or a retreat. Maybe you were alone in your living room and you fell to your knees and you said, Yes, Lord, from the beginning, do you remember your first love? I think sometimes we need to pause and remember that. Because we can get rolling along in our Christianity and our service and our ministry and our lives and, and, and that can seem so long ago. And we can get busy... And we can get wounded by other believers, by people in the world. This is the command that has been with you from the beginning. Go back to the beginning. It's kind of like Inigo Montoya's, I'm going back to the beginning! (laughs) Go back to the beginning of the love of Christ. That's the command, right, that He gives the church of Ephesus. Remember your first love. Man, you can get out there on your doctrine. You can be solid in fighting for the truth. You can be taking stands in the world for Jesus and for the Gospel. But don't forget your first love. Don't forget the moment that you fell head over heels for Jesus Christ. Cheryl and I are going to get away for two or three days this week. We'll be back Thursday Getting away for our anniversary, 32 years. Why? Because we're going to remember our first love. And, and it's pretty easy to, to get a grin on my face when I think back to when I first fell for my wife. Where were you? What was it like when you first fell for Jesus? Have you fallen for Jesus? Because that's the deal. Until you fall in love with Him, you don't get Him. You, you can do the right things and do the religion and do the church stuff. And it's going to dry you out, man. Remember your love. The love not only that you began to have for Him, but when you recognize for the first time in your life the love He had for you. The love He has for you. Why is this so important? Because God's love makes us new. Like the command itself, God's love makes new. That's what His love does. 
And then Jesus turns around and He says, now I want you to love like that. So the commandment itself is new, not new. It's a commandment that makes new. But it's not new because it's been from the beginning. Your beginning with Him and even His beginning with all of us. Verse 8, He says, on the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you which is true in Him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. That is the reality. We said Wednesday, I said it again this morning out of the camp, that's the reality of these last days. It is not getting darker, it's getting lighter. John said the light is already shining. That was 2,000 years ago. We are in the age of grace. This is the age when the light is shining. Why is there so much... Darkness, because there's so much blindness. And if you were out of the camp this morning, we talked about that. That, that it's not that it's darker in this world, it's just that there's a lot of blind people. And if you're blind, it doesn't matter how many lights you turn on, it's still dark. But the reality is, the truth is, the spiritual reality, and be encouraged by this, these are days of light. This is the time when the Spirit is active in the world, and the Gospel is still going out. Do not be discouraged because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 26 says, The light of the moon will be as the light of the sun. And the light of the sun will be seven times brighter. Like the light of seven days. On the day the Lord binds up the fracture of His people and heals the bruise that He has afflicted. So the light's just getting brighter and brighter up to that final day, that glorious day of Jesus' return. Malachi 4 verse 2 says, For you who fear My name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. I can't wait to see Bill do that. (laughs) And this is why John said back in 1 John verse 4 of chapter 1, these things we write so that our joy may be made complete. We're going to be skipping and dancing like calves. And the light is increasing. The light is growing stronger. What do we do with it? We walk in the light as He Himself is in the light. But I digress. In addition to these last days truly being getting lighter, though, and while the darkness is passing away, there's something incredibly personal here. The darkness is passing away in me. The light is already shining in me. The Word which I heard from the beginning. That that new commandment that's new, not new, and it's old, not old. The commandment of God to love. Guess what? It got ignited in me when I fell for Jesus. When I recognized His love for me. And the light started to shine in me. The longer you walk with Jesus, guess what? In you, in me, the light is growing brighter. And the darkness is passing away. Isn't that good news? Man, that that means I'm not going to just go stumbling around in blindness myself. Now the veil's been lifted and the light is shining and you are growing in your relationship with Him. So am I. The light's it's already shining. And this is what intrigues me about this love command that is, again, new, not new. A new commandment. I give to you that you love one another even as I have loved you that you also love one another. Now, again, we're not to chapter 3 or chapter 4 where he just blows the door off the building and shows us exactly what the love is and how that looks and and describes it explicitly. This is implicit. This is subtle. 
He's, he's indicating this love. He's, he's drawing us near to it. But we're still kind of wondering, how does this work? What, what this, this new commandment. I understand Jesus said that. And now I'm beginning to realize it's a commandment that makes new. How does that work in us? So now keep your finger in 1 John and go over to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Now, we read this parable of Jesus a few weeks ago when we were studying 2 Peter. And we recognized a word at that time that is even more pertinent in what we're studying right now than it was at the time. And I'll show you what that is. But, but listen to what Jesus said. Verse uh, 16. Verse 16 of chapter 9. No one puts a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. For the patch pulls away and the garment from the garment and a worse tear results. Nor do people put new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wineskins burst and the wine pours out. The wineskins are ruined, but they put new wine into fresh wineskins and both are preserved. What's that got to do with the Love command. Listen, this is so cool. First of all, do you ever feel like an old wineskin? Anyone? Yeah, right here. Dried up, used up. Man, I've done my time. I've carried my wine. <laughs> now I'm just tired. And now I'm, I'm tossed aside and I'm, I'm worn out. And this, this, go get some new wineskins. You know, I was watching the teenagers this weekend at the camp out. And I'm thinking, we need new wineskins, man. Fresh and pliable and young and able to carry the wine while we sit, you know, under the canopy and put our feet up. That's, that's really what I want. And there are times with all seriousness that I, I feel like an old wineskin. Physically, perhaps, yeah, there's, there's some of that, but, but even spiritually. Times where you're feeling like, I've done so much and I'm just, I don't think I have anything else to give. Maybe you feel used up. Maybe you were in your life so involved at some previous church and you got thrown out. And you're like, that's me, I'm, I'm the old wineskin. Did you know, and it's implicit in the, in the teaching of Jesus, that you can reuse old wineskins to hold new wine? Well, what Jesus says, you don't put new wine into old wineskins because they'll, they'll tear. You've got to put new wine into new wineskins. And, and Did you know you can change that? That truly, and they used to do this. This is a first century ancient process that worked very effectively. All you have to do to put new wine into old wineskins is just make the old wineskins new. Simple. How do you do that? Well, you take the old wineskin, shriveled up, tossed in the corner, and first thing you do is you submerge it in water. And you keep it submerged in water until it softens up. And then once it's soft and and bendable again, then you can take it out. You don't stop there. You begin to rub the old wineskin through and through with fresh olive oil. And the more the olive oil soaks in, and the more you rub that wineskin, it's already been submerged in water, now you're rubbing in the oil, and the oil soaks in. And the wineskin begins begins to become softer and, and more pliable and flexible until it's ready to be used again. And at that point, the old wineskin is now fresh and new. And when Jesus says, you put 
new wine into fresh wineskins. Notice he doesn't say you put new wine into new wineskins. Neos in the Greek. You put new wine into fresh wineskins. And the word there is kainos. Kainos, which doesn't mean necessarily new, it means fresh. Now it does mean, and can translate, as we saw it when we studied Second Peter, unprecedented. You know, in some cases, depending on the context, never before used. Nothing like this. Completely unique and brand new. But it's also fresh. Both apply. Peter uses the word in 2 Peter 3.13, describing the new heavens and the new earth. It's kainos. It's not neos, it's kainos. It's, it's fresh, unprecedented, brand new. John uses the same word in Revelation 21, verses 1 and 2. Again, for the new heavens and the new earth and the new Jerusalem. This is fresh, uh, unprecedented. Same word that Jesus uses there for the wineskins. You put new wineskins into or new wine into kainos wineskins, and both are preserved. It's that same word. You use the fresh wineskin. And an old wineskin can be made fresh again. I know it sounds unprecedented, but they would have understood this in the first century. Jesus chose His words carefully. So do the Gospel writers. So does the Spirit. And by the way, it's the exact same word that Jesus used when He said, A new commandment I give to you, that you should love one another as I have loved you. Fresh. It wasn't a new commandment. It was a fresh commandment. It was the old commandment to love one another and to love God. But now Jesus comes along and He makes it absolutely fresh. Kainos. Old wineskins can be refreshed. How? By the washing with water and the Word. You feeling like an old wineskin? You need to be in the Word. Because I guarantee you, I promise you, I would stake my life and my ministry on it that if you will spend time in the Word of God, you will begin to get refreshed as the Word soaks you like water. As it softens the heart that feels dried, that feels worn out, that's tired of what's happened past or the use that you've gone through or maybe you just feel like you've done enough and the water of the Word begins this freshening process, softening you up. Christ loved the church. Ephesians 5.25 And gave Himself up for her so that He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the Word. And then, don't stop there. Oh, by no means. You need to be rubbed with the oil of the Spirit. And as you're softened in the water of the Word, that the oil of the Spirit begins to soak in and make you fresh like never before. Psalm 133, verse 1, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head. Coming down the beard, even Aaron's beard, coming down upon the edges of his robe. What's that about? It's about the Holy Spirit. Because Paul says in Ephesians 4, verse 1, he says, I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness and patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. I don't know, how do we do that, Paul? Being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. 
See, it's the oil of the Spirit. The Scriptures throughout speak of, of oil. It's a comparison. It's that picture of the Holy Spirit. Washed with the water of the Word. Rubbed with the oil of the Spirit. And there's one more thing. Listen, one more thing that activates this old wineskin to be fresh in our lives. One more thing. John says, on the other hand, I am writing a new, a kainos commandment to you, a fresh commandment to you, because, because, listen, this is the commandment that makes me new. It's the commandment, it works for others, obviously, because I'm loving others, right? It's the commandment that makes me new. It makes my life fresh. Yes, sometimes I feel like that old wineskin. I do. Split and hardened and used up. Or sometimes, frankly, more like a cracked windshield. Some of you might say, I know, Rick, cracked. We get it. No, like a cracked windshield. Pitted and and, and broken. Compromised. Like after what's happened to me, I don't know how I'm ever going to be strong enough to have any kind of vision or clarity again. And if you've ever been in either of those positions, and if you haven't, you will. (laughs) Here's the deal. The amazing new dynamic of this old, not old commandment is that when I love as He loved, it makes me new. It makes me fresh. Washed with the water of the Word, yes. Pressed and rubbed with the oil of the Spirit from head to toe. Bring it on, Lord. But then I go out and I love as He loved. And that's the dynamic that activates the whole thing. And suddenly, my spiritual life is refreshed. And to use that word, kainos, not only am I fresh, but now I'm in an unprecedented place. Now everything's changed. And I have a fresh A freshening, if you will, of my tough old wineskin heart. I am writing a fresh commandment to you, which is true in Him and in you. Note that. It's true in Him and in you. Why? Because He is in you and you are in Him. If we walk in the light, Jesus said, I am the light. So if we walk in the light, it means we're walking in Jesus, who is Himself in the light, which means He's walking with us. It's what He prayed in John 17. It's what He called for in John 14, 15, and 16. That you be one with Me, even as I am in you, you and Me, the Father and Me, you and the Father. We're all together in this. And as we love God together, and as we love one another as He has loved us, this this amazing personal interaction takes place. We're freshened. Dave, I'll ask you a question tonight. You're sitting back there. Wiped out. You don't have to answer aloud. Just give me a nod. Eva worked her tail off all weekend long, serving people, taking care of things, making sure that the, the Bridge Family Camp went well. If you were there, you know. You just, she was just kind of back and forth. This little bee all over the place. She's taking care of stuff. Limping because she hurt her toes. We should lay hands on your feet. She's like, no. I'll let Les do that. But, Eva, let me just ask you. You're exhausted, aren't you? I mean, just honestly. Hmm? Come on, sister. Be real with me. She's holding her coffee. You're exhausted without the caffeine. Okay. Wiped out. Tired. How's your spirit? Pretty good? She got a smile on her that's a mile wide. Because when I love as Jesus loved me, it refreshes me. 
It makes my heart fresh. It changes everything. As we love like Jesus, eyes that were growing dim begin to see again. And ears that were getting dull begin to hear again. A life that seemed useless. And I've seen too much of this in the church. People who feel like at this point in my life, I've done my duty, I've done the call, i followed Him, but it just got too hard, or I got too wounded, or I got too hurt. And at this point, I'm just done. I'm used. Dang. Life begins to brighten up when we love as He loved. This is the big lie. The big lie of the enemy, if you've been wounded or hurt, pull back. If you've loved and someone has responded to you with hate, stop loving. If the enemy can get you to stop loving, you will harden and dry like an old wineskin or a cracked windshield. And you will sit there and just feel useless. So you love, even as I, Jesus says, have loved you. And as we love as He loved, as we're in the water, the washing of the water, the work, the oil of the Spirit, and loving as He loved, I get fresh. Kainos, new. And He says, the one who says He's in the light and yet hates His brother is in the darkness until now. You know, we bring that on ourselves. I'm not loving as He loved. My eyes are growing dim. I'm getting dark. Not because it's dark, but because I'm getting blind. He says the one who loves his brother, verse 10, abides in the light. There is no cause for stumbling in him. The one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness again has blinded his eyes. Like the Samaritan city, man, to walk in darkness is just to hate. And hatred is an old, used-up wineskin that's no good for anybody. Hatred makes the heart wither and dry up and get spent and hardened. But, But if we walk in the light, as He Himself is in the light, if we love like Jesus loved us, even the old wineskin can be fresh and used again. And what's wine a picture of in the Bible? It is a picture of the Holy Spirit at one point. What else? Hmm? Joy. Joy. It's a picture of joy. Jesus at the wedding feast. That's why it was the first miracle. What's going on here is a joyful thing worth celebrating. The wineskin made fresh is now able to hold the picture of joy itself. And this is the thing that He's painting for us. So I say to you again, the love of Christ is refreshing. The fact that Jesus loves me is refreshing in and of itself. But as I love like Jesus, wow, what happens is remarkable. Old wineskins, on the other hand, can't hold their wine. That is, they can't hold their joy. Cracked windshields mar my vision. I can't see correctly. I'm not as protected as perhaps I would have been. But as I follow this command, I'm refreshed. I am renewed. Which is why I believe Peter said in Acts 3.19, Repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and He may send Jesus, the Christ appointed to you. We repent, we return to God, and we enter into refreshing where a life is made fresh. Man, get washed. 
in the water of the world. Word. I'm so thankful you all came back tonight. You're getting washed. This is the Word of God. And it has that effect on us. And then get rubbed through and through with the oil of the Spirit and obey simply the command to love as He first loved us. For Revelation 21.5 says, He who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And yes, that word is kainos. I am making all things fresh. Let's pray together. Father, I, I thank You for Your Word to us. I'm excited that we're just touching the subject of love. That we're not even really into it until we get to chapter 3. I'm thankful that, that You lay it out before us and that You're drawing us into it and we're going to get to spend some time thinking about loving You and loving each other and loving the way You loved us first, Jesus. But right now our purpose, I think tonight, I think the Word is clear to us. That You would freshen hearts that feel used. That You would soften spirits that feel worn or perhaps weary. And it's exactly the opposite of what my flesh would do. Father, if I'm, if I'm feeling weary, I pull back. Well, You are telling us, no, go forward. And love like I loved You. Father, I thank You for the fellowship that we share together. And I thank You we're in a letter that is all about that and will be challenging us to increase our love for one another and our fellowship. But I pray, Father, for a freshening to happen over the bridge. Submerge us. Continue, Lord, to submerge us in the water of the Word. But Holy Spirit, would You pour out on us Your oil with that softening effect and teach us just to love like You loved us. Keep us fresh, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.